As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We've got all the details on Prince Harry's upcoming memoir, Spare, as Princess Kate shares a personal message for those battling addiction. I know this was not a choice. Recovery is possible. Plus, Meghan Markle details her morning routine as Howie Mandel reacts to her deal or no deal backlash. I said, can I do something? They used to say, shut up and just tell them to open the case. Plus, Christopher Anderson breaks down his brand new book, The King, The Life of King Charles III. They were they were angry about what had happened. And, uh, and uh, you know, Charles, I think, understands that to some extent he was responsible for, for, for them having to suffer through this. We've got that plus so much more on today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina. That's Christine. Welcome back. So happy to have you back. Yes, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. There's so much to talk about. It's a good week to be jumping back in. 100%. We are going to break down everything uh, you need to know about Spare in just a a second. But first, we want to check in and see what you guys had to say about last week. Daniel Wallace says, we all know that the crown is a drama. But if you're telling a dramatized version of the lives of people who are still alive, you're bound to get criticism. Yeah, the crown has been under fire for the past couple of weeks, adding in that disclaimer um, in front of the trailer saying that, you know, obviously um, it's a dramatized version of events, but yeah, it's get, definitely getting some backlash. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've seen so many stories about this, about, pe- you know, we're going to talk more about this later, but about, about people either pulling out of contributing to the show because they didn't like it. Or there's a lot of people who are like, I want nothing to do with that. I never talked to that, you know, like really like they don't want to be involved. <laughs> yeah, Very distancing themselves yes. from the <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. It's what everybody is talking about in our Royal Roundup. The big news that Prince Harry is releasing his upcoming memoir, Spare, on January 10th, 2023. Now, according to the synopsis, Spare will explore Harry's experience of living a life staged in the public eye. It also noted that the memoir is an up-close, behind-the-scenes, intimate, and forthright memoir of a man reclaiming his own story. Now, the website also states that it was one of the most searing images of the 20th century. Two young boys, two princesses, walking behind their mother's coffin as the world watched in sorrow and horror. As Diana, Princess of Wales, was laid to rest, billions wondered what the princes must be thinking and feeling and how their lives would play out from that point on. So back in July of 2021, Harry did release a statement about the book saying that he was writing this, not as the prince I was born, but as the man I have become. I've worn many hats over the years, both literally and figuratively. And my hope is that in telling my story, the highs and the lows, the mistakes, the lessons learned, I can help show that no matter where we come from, we have more in common than we think. He said that he is deeply grateful for the opportunity and um, he was going to be wholly truthful. 
wow. <laughs> like from the image to the book cover to the title, there's so many things uh, that we can just break down. I mean, what was your initial reaction when you saw this? So, the initial reaction I had was it felt... I, I was kind of underwhelmed because I think it felt very mm, common. He just looked very normal. But I think, you know, reading more, sort of looking back at his statements and things like that, that's exactly what he wants. This whole book is about sort of normalizing and humanizing this man that we've sort of had up on a pedestal for 35, almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I am so interested to see, because so far I haven't seen a lot of positive feedback, especially on the title or, you know, that very casual picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I have to think, you know, about how much he wants, you know, saying no matter where we come from, we have more in common than you think. I think he really wants to, you know, be relatable to people. And I'm worried that he's missing the mark. Yes. And you know, I mean, not only is the title alone poignant, but the description that they chose to use talking about princess Diana and that image of him and Prince William walking behind the coffin. So obviously he's definitely going to talk about that a lot, but Interesting that they chose to um, tease us with that moment as well. Um, And like you said, spare, the air in the spare has been used uh, for a very long time. It's something that he has had to deal with for a while. So it's interesting that he chose spare as the title. Definitely. There's a lot of conversations about reclaiming. You know, he wants to reclaim what the word spare means. Really just means the younger sibling. (laughs) But I do, I'm, you know, going back to what you said about, you know, the whole description is about Princess Diana's death. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Harry sounds like he wants this book to sort of show more of him. Mm -hmm. So then why are we constantly linking back to his, you know, his trauma with his mother? I feel like there's so much more to Harry. He's so much important work he's done lots of really interesting experiences you know overall he's a really interesting guy Mm -hmm. but we're constantly sort of he's linking himself back to his mother and that trauma which shaped him greatly but if you're trying to show your whole story and the other side of you it might have been better to separate from that right but uh, i mean then again this might yeah. sell books and that's yeah. what they're going to do. Absolutely. And a lot of the proceeds, which I like, a lot of the proceeds are going to be going to charities. Um, so a lot of people are speculating that he's just, you know, putting that money back in his pocket, but he's not, he's giving this to a lot of charities. And I think that's really wonderful as well. Yeah. They, their causes close to his heart. I know that he's donating some to well child, some to Santa Bale, which is his charity in Lesotho. And so this is a really important project for him. And I just, I'm hoping that it's successful and sort of, you know, a little cautious at the same time. Right. But I'm sure the Royal family is on high alert. Like we talked to Christopher Anderson last week and he said that the Royal family will be paying attention. And, you know, there were some rumors that maybe he softened some things in the book about Queen Elizabeth, softened some things in the book about King Charles. I mean, we have no idea what was originally there and what's going to be in the book now, but January 10th, we're all going to be talking about it. (laughs) Definitely. And then, you know, we talked about this recently where, you know, there's a lot of conversations about consistency in stories. And this is going to be, especially with that Netflix docu-series coming up, the book coming up, you know, all the recent interviews that Megan has been doing, people are going to start either connecting dots and everything's going to be consistent or they're going to start finding holes. Mm. Um, And I think there's a big microscope uh, up on Megan and Harry right now. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they've kind of gotten their story together. No, definitely. I mean, I feel like this could definitely be a make or break situation for the two of them, depending on how well people receive the book, how well people receive this Netflix uh, documentary. 
it really is, I think, a make or break situation. And I'd love to know what you guys think about this in the comments. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot to say, so please <laughs> let us know. All right, let's move on to Princess Kate because she offered a poignant message to anyone who has struggled with alcoholism. The, uh, the Duchess recorded a video message from her Kensington Palace residence sharing a note of support for individuals who continue to suffer. And her personal vi uh, video was made for the Forward Trust Taking Action on Addiction campaign, which aims to reframe the stigma surrounding addiction and encourage individuals to seek help as needed. Take a look. Please know that addiction is not a choice. No one chooses to become an addict. I want you to know that this is also a serious health condition. Please do not let shame hold you back from getting the help you so desperately need. The charity is leading the Taking Action on Addiction campaign, along with others are working across the country, delivering life-changing work to help people recover and move forward. Definitely a strong message saying, you know, the help is there if you need the help and addiction is not something to be ashamed of. And, um, and she is, you know, giving resources, which is a great thing. Definitely. I think that her message and a lot of these sort of big, you know, celebrity or royal PSAs are, you know, hoping to normalize these conversations, let people know that it's it's okay you know, reaching out for help is the right thing to do. And so hopefully this made a difference for someone. Yeah, definitely. All right. This uh, story got a lot of people talking last week as well, because Prince Harry and Prince Andrew's roles within the British royal family have been challenged by Parliament following Queen Elizabeth's death. So the House of Lords questioned whether the pair should still be allowed to stand in for King Charles on official on an official basis, um, according to the BBC. So Harry and the Duke of York are two of the five councillors of state who can complete constitutional responsibilities on the monarch's behalf is if he is unable to do so himself. So the prince's duties were scrutinized by members of parliament because both men had either left public eye or left the country. And per the BBC, Lord Addington suggested to fellow parliamentary representatives that working royals should be given priority when it comes to the council responsibilities. The Lord Privy Seal, Lord True, noted that the royal household would need to be consulted before any changes be made to Harry and Andrew's role. I feel like this makes sense. It, it definitely does make sense. It's sort of something, it's something that's very archaic and it's yeah. one of those things that it will probably never be an issue. Mm -hmm. It's so unlikely that all of the other counselors of state would be unavailable. Um, <laughs> but it does seem like in light of, you know, the last few years, a lot of people might be happier if we just rearranged mm -hmm. um, those guidelines and it's really unlikely it's you know if if charles was abroad if he was on tour overseas he would appoint a counselor of state to handle anything that needed to be handled in his absence but again it's so unlikely you know he, he doesn't travel that much he is planning to you know there's rumors of a large um coronation tour yeah. but you know, the monarch doesn't really have that many emergencies these days where you would need a counselor of state to really be, you know, instated. And, and um, so, again, this is something that would probably never actually be a problem, but it might just, you know, assuage everyone's concerns if these changes were made. Sure. And I feel like this goes back to Charles's slim down monarchy where he just wants to keep it a very close um, group of people and kind of 
you know, trim the fat, I guess. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely. And, you know, kind of prioritizing working royals over those who are no longer part of the working royal family. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens, but I think it makes sense. It makes total sense. And King Charles is taking on even more responsibility um, now that he is king because he announced that he will serve as a ceremonial head of the Royal Marines, taking on the role of Captain General, which was previously held by Prince Harry. The role, of course, had been vacant since 2020 when um, Prince Harry stepped back from the senior step back as a senior position of the member of the Royal family. So, you know, each day they get a new role. It seems like. <laughs> I know, especially with, you know, since the Duke of Edinburgh has, has died since the queen has died, there's lots of these major ceremonial roles up for grabs, including, you know, Prince Harry leaving his position, um, the Duke of York leaving his positions. Now there's tons of vacancies. Um, and with this slimmed down monarchy, not a lot of people to fill them. So I think we're just going to see a lot of reshuffling of organizations, ceremonial roles, things like that. Definitely. Lots, lots to shuffle around. All right, let's uh, spill some royalty. And like you mentioned before, lots of talk about the crown. And this was interesting because Sarah Ferguson denied offering to consult on season five of The Crown with her spokesperson telling Us Weekly the Duchess was in contact with Andy Harries, who produces The Crown last year, and they had a discussion about the possibility of adapting her novel, Her Heart for a Compass, into a TV series. They did not discuss The Crown or any idea of her helping with the series in any way. The spokesperson did add that while a suggestion that Ferguson assist on the show was brought up at one point by a mutual friend, nothing came of it. They said the Duchess did not approach Left Bank offering to be a consultant. Interesting. You know, I've said it in a couple of shows. I did not have Sarah Ferguson re-enters royal family on my bingo card. No. <laughs> but again, she wants nothing to do with this. I think that the statement was very honest, very, um, you know, clear. She had nothing to do with this Netflix series. So many people with ties to the Royal family are saying, "Mm -mm, I'm not going anywhere near that. I know one of princess Diana's close friends actually quit the show because she didn't like the direction that they were taking the story. And so again, I'm very nervous about this upcoming season of the crown because of all this sort of, you know, people being like, "Mm, Nope, Nope. I'm not, I had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am kind of interested to see more. We've been talking about Sarah Ferguson a lot lately. (laughs) A lot. Like you said, I was not expecting this again. Yes. We're talking about the crown nonstop. It's going to be controversial. Will I be tuning in a hundred? percent but um but yeah no it's gonna be it's gonna be good i know we'll be sitting there with like our critical will i watch it probably will i enjoy it that's up for debate right that's up for debate that didn't happen that didn't happen exactly exactly all right well Meghan Markle, we've been talking about this story for a couple of weeks now, too. She has received a ton of backlash after she made comments about her time on Deal or No Deal, saying she felt like a bimbo on the series, always left with a pit in her stomach. Well, we caught up with former host of Deal or No Deal, Howie Mandel, who had this to say about it. Take a look. Now, I wanted to get your reaction because obviously Deal or No Deal has been in the news recently with Meghan Markle's remarks saying the show made her feel like a bimbo and she left her with a pit in her stomach. So I wanted to get your reaction to that. I get it because, uh, and I've never said this before, but they um, they had this pyramid of uh, 26 uh, beautiful, um, uh, intelligent uh, women standing there, just staring at me like I was a piece of meat. I was in the center, just dressed up in a suit, and I felt like I am more than this. Mm-hmm. And they would just look at me, and I had to do nothing. I felt like such a, so I get it. I felt like... 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why? They just had me there to tell them to open up cases. <sighs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I felt like nothing. And that's why I've moved on and become a judge on AGT. I just needed more than to be a deal or no deal host. So I, I get it. They were just, I'm telling you, for hours a day, 26 women just staring at me like I'm a piece of meat. So I get it. You get it. But looking back, did you have a, obviously you had a great experience on the show and it was a great workplace environment. It was a great workplace environment. I think if you talk to most people, I don't even think she said it was a bad workplace environment. She's talking about her personal, you know, what was going on in her mind. Listen, some people show up, you know, at, at an office and don't feel good about it and decide to change careers, you know? It's not like uh, she I don't think she's maligning deal or no deal. Mm. You know, I, I think that um, I, and I could be wrong. I don't think there weren't ever complaints from any of the women. And unlike uh, uh, most uh, shows up until that point, you know that, you know, the uh, the ladies had more to do. They weren't just pointing out gifts and opening you know, uh, a lot of times they were miked and they had their input. And um, these people were, a lo- most of them were a lot more intelligent and accomplished than I ever was. I remember uh, number two was, uh, she just had graduated law school and became a lawyer. You know, she was a lawyer. She married Marty Fish. What was her name? It's really hard for me uh, to remember everybody's name. I remember numbers now. <laughs> But Claudia Jordan went on to, you know, do Housewives and host. She hosts the Mrs. Universe. And, uh, you know, Chrissy Teigen was also a a deal or no deal model. I've never really heard anybody complain. And I don't think Megan is complaining. I think Megan just said she wanted to do more. She wanted to, it it wasn't fulfilling for her. And you could be, you know, you could be a senator and think, you know, I don't want to be in public service anymore. This is not fulfilling. So I don't know why there is a big hoopla, Mm -hmm. except I have to say that me standing there with 26 women staring at me made me feel like a bimbo. (laughs) Gorgeous like me. I know why I'm hired and then I know why I do. When you're gorgeous like me, that just comes with the job. It does. Comes with the territory. (laughs) I said, can I do something? They used to say, shut up and just tell them to open the case. (laughs) I mean, what do you think? Do you agree with him? Do you not understand the big hoopla about all of this? I think it's such a it's a really complicated, layered issue of, you know, sort of women being treated like, you know, Megan sort of talked about almost like a piece of meat, you know, like how he said. And 
I don't know. I think if I was in Megan's position, I probably wouldn't feel very good about it, but it paid her bills. You know, it, it got her further in her career. It's a layered issue. No, it definitely. And, and like how we said, a lot of women had great careers after this. Chrissy Teigen was a, um, a deal or no deal girl, Claudia Jordan, who went on to do Real Housewives of Atlanta. A lot of these women have really great careers and, you know, use the show as a stepping stone, which in right. Megan's case is what she did as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I don't know that those women really felt great, at, you know, at the time. And there's this whole issue of sexualizing women for, you know, in that situation. But yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. Complicated. It definitely is. All right. Well, let's break down the royal rules. And to help us do that is our friend Christopher Anderson. He's author of the brand new book, The King, The Life of King Charles III. It's a great read. It is coming out soon. And he told us all about it. Take a look. What do you think is really going to stand out to readers the most when they read this book? Well, you know, he's he is in, in many ways, I think, the most complicated, paradoxical, uh, enigmatic figure ever to sit on the throne. In contrast to his mom, you know, we felt we knew the queen, uh, you know, she, and she had a sense of herself. Uh, but Charles, um, you know, he's still a work in progress after all this time. Uh, and I always go back to the beginning, and so much of this starts with the childhood. Mm -hmm. Had this heartbreakingly lonely childhood. And I think, um, you know, his, you know, everyone thinks of the, the queen is a kind of warm and fuzzy character, and Charles had a wonderful relationship with her. Well, he didn't, only recently but uh, you know, he felt as a little boy abandoned by both of his parents. He wrote the, you know, about how he, they, his mother was cold and aloof, and how his father was a, a bully. Mm -hmm. uh, and was, um, his father belittled him in front of people. I have many, many reports of how, you know, young Charles, as, as, a, as a child and a young man, was routinely reduced to tears in front of people by Prince Philip. They only saw him for fifteen minutes, a, uh, two fifteen-minute day uh, sessions a day during his upbringing. Uh, you know, they didn't, even though they were there, they were present, they did not go to Charles's childhood birthdays. They did not show up in the hospital when he had a tonsillectomy, when he broke his ankle, when he had an emergency appendectomy. The queen wouldn't leave the palace, which is just a few blocks away. So he felt abandoned. Mm -hmm. Sent to private school. And I think one of the shocking things in the book is that, you know, that he was not, you know, by t we realized by today's standards that what he went through in school would be considered, uh, you know, unacceptable abuse. Yeah abuse, eaten by the other students, touched inappropriately, uh, hung up in a shower, you know, uh, naked and left there. Um, you know, these are kind of deep psychological wounds. So, you know, one of his classmates said it's a miracle that Char Charles uh, survived with his sanity intact. And right. I, if you look at all these episodes, you know, which were just sadistic in the, in the private school, British school system, and the fact that his parents just said go back, you know, he wrote them, he pleaded with his parents to take him out of these schools. He wrote these really uh, very, very sad letters. No, they wouldn't do it. So I think there was always this um, tension between Charles and the rest of the royal family, and especially his parents. And, and, and Margaret Rhodes, his cousin, uh, I mean, the Queen's cousin, said, uh, you know, it's not a, uh, there was never a cozy relationship between Charles and the Queen. And that's because the family is not set up to be cozy. And then I think you write in the book about how Charles has very deep regret about how he forced William and Harry to walk behind their mother's coffin. Is that something that like haunts him probably still to this day? Yes. And I think it, I think it haunts him because it haunts them and they've spoken mm -hmm. about it. And I've, I've, I've written that I believe it's a form of PTSD. Mm -hmm. You know, Harry uses terms like uh, the triggering of even flying into uh 
into London. You know, he, it reminds him of that day when he had to walk behind the coffin. And they were more or less, you know, again, uh, bullied into doing it. Uh, by the palace, uh, by the, the men in gray who really run the, the palace, the people that uh, Diana used to complain about. Uh, but Philip and, and Earl Spencer has said, uh, you know, Diana's brother, that he regrets the fact that he tried to convince them that he was kind of, uh, you know, I think uh, both William and Harry thought, well, you know, who are these strangers who never met her? So they were they were angry about what had happened. And, uh, and uh, you know, Charles, I think, understands that to some extent he was responsible for, for them having to suffer through this. Looking back now and how he raised these kids, do you think um, Prince Char King Charles has any regrets, especially with the status of the relationship he has with Harry now? I, I don't know if it's because of that. I mean, I, th I don't think um, he's, you know, he's very introspective. It's interesting, even when, when, when Charles was three, Winston Churchill said uh, he's, uh, he's too young to be thinking so much, right. you know? It was always very introspective and that sort of thing. And, and again, it's another part of, of Charles's weird con uh, paradoxical personality. I mean, you know, on one hand, he's this traditionalist who just fought fiercely for fox, to preserve fox hunting and things like that. But he's also, you know, uh, environmentalist at a time when nobody paid much attention to that. Uh, all about organic farming and uh, he underwent Jungian uh, therapy and, and all of these things that were very forward leaning. Um, and and he, he seems awkward and detached, but yet he's very passionate in his personal relationships and personally loyal to people. Um, so, I, you know, as far as his own children are concerned, I'm, I'm sure he's given it some thought, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, the last thing I think he wanted to do was be a bully like his father. Always love having Christopher on the show. And like we said, pre-order the book now. Um, it gives you definitely some great insight into King Charles's life all the way from the beginning to present day and everything in between. <laughs> feels so strange that we're going to have a King Charles biography. I know. It's, it's so strange. It really is. All right. Well, in our Royal History Moment of the Week, the first coins featuring the face of King Charles are currently being produced by the Royal Mint in Wales and will begin being distributed into circulation come December, slowly replacing the ones that um, currently include the face of Queen Elizabeth II. On the other side of the coin is a tribute to the late monarch, a design that originally appeared on her 1953 coronation crown. It includes the four quarters of the royal arms depicted within a shield. And between each shield is an emblem of the UK nations, a rose, a thistle, a shamrock, and a leek. Now, news of the production was announced by the Royal Mint, saying the first coins bearing His Majesty King Charles III's portrait are striking as we speak. And, and you can expect to, to see 50 Ps featuring the Queen Elizabeth II memorial design on the reverse side of the coins in your change before Christmas. So, yeah, um, change is coming. It's another one of those, like, it's just so strange. Yeah, I feel so like strange. the first time I get like a Charles 50p, you know, as change for buying something is going to be just a, a very surreal day. Right. Very surreal. It, it still seems, it still seems surreal. Like this isn't happening, but it is. And a oh, lot and of it's almost, you know, it's been almost two months and yet next week it'll be two months since Queen Elizabeth has died and it just doesn't, it still just seems bizarre. Really does. All right, well, let's move on to our pint-sized palace and Meghan Markle is opening up about what mornings are like in her household with Archie, Lily, and Prince Harry. She said on her Archetypes podcast that I'm sure it'll only get more chaotic as they get older, but for me, it's, you know, both monitors on for the kids to hear them, always up with Lily, get her downstairs, then a half hour later, Archie's up. I start doing his lunchbox right before he's up while I have her getting her a little nibble. My husband's helping me 
get him downstairs. She said that she, they, uh, she starts each day by making them breakfast and that she absolutely love it, loves it. It's the greatest way to start the morning. Um, yes, mornings are chaos for anybody that has toddlers <laughs> or any type of children. <laughs> Especially trying to get every, you know, get whoever has to go to school out the door on time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was very relatable. Uh, I think she likes to share these little tidbits of, you know, her, what she's, you know, her normal family life, sort of, so to speak in that massive Montecito mansion. Um, but it was nice to hear, you know, that they just kind of have very normal mornings. I think that's nice for Harry. I think that's important for him that, you know, his kids grow up in a more normal environment. Definitely. Yeah. She said that Lily is started to started walking, even though Harry said back in April, she started walking. So another one of these little holes in the stories. But- yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think a lot of parents can relate to that where they sort of they take a step and then you don't see it again for a few weeks. You know, that's what came to my mind was when they take two steps and then they never walk again. Exactly. Later they try again. No, but I totally get it. My son and Lily are literally the same age. They were born on the same day. So I totally understand that, you know, (laughs) what's going on in their household because it's it's chaos. It's chaos every morning. (laughs) Oh, I know my my older son is almost the same age as Archie. And I'm thinking the same thing about sort of lunch boxes and getting them out the door. So again, this is really relatable. We all, you know, a lot of us can can relate to these mornings. Definitely. I'd love to hear it. Well, Christine, thank you so much for running down all things Royals with me. Great to have you back. And um, I feel like the next few months and weeks, it's going to be a lot of Prince Harry talk. <laughs> I know a lot of Prince Harry talk, but we're also getting into like a really busy season for the Royals as we get through a couple of major events and holidays. I'm so excited for it. So excited and ready for it. All right, we'll keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week.